As, as Melinda comes to read the scripture, this is the scripture out of John, and it gives you one piece of what happened with Jesus that day. And again, I want to remind us, this is not legend. For most of this year, we've looked at the historic aspects of the life of Jesus and how he carries through history. Today, we remember that again with two very significant instances in his life, and this brings us to one of those. The next day, the crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that they had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Holy wisdom, holy word. So I want to ask this morning, kind of, what lights up your face? What makes you happy? I I can't believe... Gina and Renee are here having just gone back from Panama, but it's good to see you all. But uh, And just lights up. I'm sure that trip was incredible. I'm going to do a shameless plug right now because exactly a year from today, we're, we're looking at, um, as a church, anyone who can going to Israel uh, on a trip um, and spending 10 days there. Um, the first day being out on the Sea of Galilee and, and just letting the boat letting the motor turn off and sit in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and tell the stories of Jesus related to the sea. And you'll hear more about this in coming weeks. I just keep thinking about what, what, what makes us smile. And I kept thinking about our four children and the, the four things that just make me smile. And I don't want to embarrass Ben this morning, but he's here. Um, so I'll embarrass the other three and just a minor little thing about Ben. I remember what made me smile so much was the day that Cora pitched her first no-hitter from the softball circle. And just the incredible event that that took that. And just watching this girl progress the way she did and it just made me smile of seeing how far she had come in softball and getting that letter as a freshman at Newport. I remember Ben entering his first debate tournament, huge debate tournament at Pacific Lutheran University, and he'd never debated before, well, other formally, um, <laughs> and he won the tournament. I remember Laura, Laura, and watching her in concert at the L.A. Academy of Music, um, Hamilton High School in Los Angeles, as she was playing violin, and it, it was as though the Seattle Symphony was playing. They were just phenomenal. And then just, was it two months ago, hearing from Adam, our oldest, that he is now officially a ship's captain with his own ship. And it's a cruise ship, and it's beautiful, and can't wait to see him now in that. And he texted me his name tag. 
that said captain. Those things light us up, don't they? As we think about those parts of our lives, I, I think about so many things, and you're going to see scrolling behind me those things that can be lit up in good ways. You'll see me in my little tiara in one of the pictures um, with the children here. Um, but there are other things that light us up, aren't there? Things that make us mad or passionate or angry. And, and I preached two weeks ago about, about some of the political rancor that's going on. And I, I think about also the arrest of one of the, the, the Paris terrorists in Belgium just two days ago. I think of so many other things that just create passion in us. And what I have to say to you this morning is Jesus was the same way. There are things that just lit up his face when, when the children would come to him and sit and he would teach them and talk about them as the best representation of what the kingdom of God was about. But the other things that he did that just made him so angry, the things that he saw, and I want to talk just briefly about some of those things. But before I get specifically there, let's look at those five elements one more time that we've talked about for the last number of weeks. The other thing I want to say is thank you to Shalom. If you were here last Sunday, you, you got a treat. Shalom is a delight. She is incredible and, and I know did a, a tremendous job with the message. And, and thank you for, she, she loved being with you. Um, but back to, to these things. I talked about Jesus' teaching, his healing his praying, his community building, and his confrontations. Look at what Jesus did, because it will set us up for what's coming, because it certainly set him up for what's coming. Look at what he taught. He took the laws that were being practiced in Jerusalem and said, that is not what the intention of God was. Can you imagine the religious authorities hearing that? He said, God is a God of love. God is a God of grace. God is a God of relationship. God is someone, a, a, a force that wants us to understand that we need to love, but even love our enemies. And the way that he talked about that was unlike anything anyone had ever heard before. But then he took it to the next step as he began to heal people. And it didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter what your background was. It didn't matter at all. Because you are a creation of God and worthy of being healed. Whether it was a Roman centurion and his servant. Whether it was a story that he told about a good Samaritan. Hated enemy. Or the healing of the daughter of a Syrophoenician woman, the most hated of enemies. Jesus was not only a man of teaching he taught through his actions. And it was unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. But he knew that the only way he could do what he did was with the help of his creator. And so constantly he turned and prayed. And he prayed often. He was defined by prayer. He was centered by prayer. He was directed by prayer. He was guided by prayer. He was filled with a power unlike anything because of that prayer. And he taught others to pray. And one of the prayers that he taught, we'll be saying here in a few minutes. But the other thing that he did that was unlike anything else was that he built a community of some of the most diverse people 
around in the world at that time, and we'll, we'll be remembering that on Thursday as we look around the table of the Last Supper. People around that table were people of violence, zealots, who would rather kill than negotiate. People around that table were, were the ultimate enemy, a tax collector who got wealthy off the backs of some of the people. Around that table were uneducated folks. And most of them spoke with an accent, but they all came from different places. But Jesus was able to center them and gather them and inspire them in a way that allowed them to then go and become more than they could have ever imagined. Jesus crossed every single socioeconomic line to heal, to teach, and encourage them to live a different way because of the God that he believed in. It was amazing. But what it did is it made him a threat. It made him a threat to those who were in authority. And so much of it that we celebrate and remember today is about that peace. I want to remind you that those in authority were wealthy. They lived in the villas above Jerusalem. And there's still archaeological digs around that. And you can see the opulence in which these folks lived. These connected to the temple lived next door to the Roman authorities, the most wealthy in that region, in the same kinds of homes, mansions of just opulence. And how did they receive that? How did they get to that point? Again, on the backs of the poor. On the backs, which I'll get to in just a minute, of those who were trying simply to abide by the laws of God. There came a day where Jesus knew that it was time. And that's the day that we remember when we come to the palms. He intentionally took this on as a very much kind of in-your-face move to those who were in power. What he had done to this point was not a killing offense was angering. They wanted to move him aside, but nothing that he had done up to this point was worthy of death until today. Like King David of old, he sent his disciples into the town to get a never-before-ridden colt of a donkey. And he met them up above the Mount of Olives, the place where the Messiah was to be first noticed. And he climbed aboard that colt and began to work his way down into the Kidron Valley. And as he worked his way down, his disciples began to cut palm branches because suddenly they recognized that this was a humble king in the same way that David entered the city after a victory. But what had he conquered at this point? It's coming. And as the disciples grabbed the palm branches and began to wave them, others began to gather, and the crowd grew and grew and grew. And it became this parade-like situation where they were waving palm branches and now beginning to yell, Hosanna, which again means, Save us. Save us. King of kings. King of kings means king above other kings. But then they did the next thing as they came down and there at the wall of the temple as they kind of came through that valley, they began to take off their outer garments and spread them before the road so that 
this incredible presence of God, this humble representation of God would cast a shadow over their outer garments. That's when those standing on the parapets of the temple began to notice what this was becoming. That's when they began to truly know that this man had to be killed. But there's more. Because suddenly what he does is he gets to that temple gate and he opens it up and he goes in and there in the courtyard just before you walk into the temple were the money changers. And I want to remind us of what that was. The money changers were those who would charge four or five or ten times the amount that they should have charged to exchange the money of the poor for the money of the temple. And these people were lining their pockets with the prophets. But then, once they got that money, they had to go and buy their sacrificial animal. And those who were selling the animals would charge sometimes ten times what they should have charged for those animals, lining their pockets in the temple authorities' pockets. And then they had to go to the priests to make sure that that was the right animal and pay the priests. And then they had to go to sacrifice and pay for that. And so Jesus walks in. And he, at this point, takes off his outer garment. And he grabs a rope that was hanging on the wall. Probably very much like the lariats of cowboy days. Hardened rope. And he doubles it over and makes a whip. And he begins to turn those tables over and whip the people and animals out of there, yelling at the top of his lungs, this is God's house. This is a holy place. And you have made it into a den of thieves. And he drives them out. That was the killing offense. And that's what we remember on this Sunday, but there's more to it than that. Many of us in this sanctuary self-profess ourselves as Christian, followers of Jesus. And it means that we love the way that He loved. It means that we are filled with the kind of grace. It means that we now become the teachers of those coming behind us, like confirmation. It means that we find ways to heal those in need of becoming whole. It means that we pray often for each other. And as you'll hear, there are some dramatic things in need of prayer this morning. It means that we develop community so that we can support each other, lift each other up. We become family, very much like what took place yesterday afternoon in this sanctuary as we remembered Craig's life and surrounded Betsy and the girls and the family with love and grace and all of those who came in. But it also means that we confront. And that's the hardest piece, particularly for us. Let me take that just a little deeper. On Thursday, the Youth Eastside Services breakfast is happening. A little bit later on, the Habitat for Humanity event is taking place. This is the time of year where those events happen and, and ask for our support in those events. Those are the easy things, friends. I want to remind us of where we live. 
we live in a place where it is so easy to ignore some of the things that surround us. We each come from a place where we slept in a comfortable bed last night, probably had breakfast, have readily available food. Most of us, anyway, don't have to worry about being abused. Most of us don't have to worry about our husband coming home and the smell of whiskey so strong that he is this close to me that I can smell it before he hits me. Most of us don't have to worry about the fact and the, all the emotions that go with having to ask a school for a free or reduced lunch. And yet those things surround us every day and are so easy to ignore. But it's those kinds of things that cause Jesus to do what He did. To take on those things. Not just by writing a check, but, but going deeper. And looking at what we call in research the causal antecedent conditions. Those conditions that went before to create this situation. That's why we look and experience the things we do this week. As followers of Christ, it is up to us to now step into that gap where others are looking at us and saying, Hosanna, save us. Others are looking at us to do the things that need to be done to even introduce them to something greater than themselves. And again, look around the sanctuary. Not all of us agree on what the approach will be for that. Look around the country in the political arena that we're now in, and not all of us agree on how to approach any of this. But here's the key. That doesn't mean we don't approach it. It's Palm Sunday. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the King of Kings, the one we seek to follow. And we are to take on those tasks, but not just that. We also celebrate. And we also come together as community. But I, wanna, I want us to remember, I want us to remember, particularly this week, the one that we seek to follow. And what he did. Will you pray with me? God, as we come on this Palm Sunday, we do truly seek your presence in all things. But more than your presence, we seek your inspiration and your motivation. We ask that you help us have the kind of courage of Christ that will transform not just our neighborhoods or our communities or our cities, but the world. Whatever that call may be in each of our lives, help us remember that we too are called. As we come together this week, particularly this week, I ask that you help us to look around us with the eyes of Christ. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.